Hey guys, welcome back to Heal and Heal. We have a guest here today, Jay Jack, uh, the most famous podcaster basically ever, is doing our little uh, <laughs> ghetto speakerphone setup with us for this evening. Um, but we're super psych- psyched to have Jay on. Uh, Kim actually just got to connect with him at one of his group seminars with uh, Larry and Joel down in Missouri. Um, so they got to have some good conversations there, and we wanted to get him on the show to talk about a variety of different things. Um, Kim has a topic that for today that she thinks we're going to talk about, which is kind of like the different schools of dog training um, as they've been progressing. Uh, but just wanted to say hi off the bat. And I love that you said she thinks we're going to talk about. Like, you didn't even <laughs> say she has a subject. you like, Kim has a subject she thinks we're going to talk about. Well, listen, yeah. I've been listening to you for years and years, Jay, and I know that we are going to go on a wonderful adventure today that might not be planned. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this shit figured out. Don't worry. It'll be good. Sweet. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on the show again. And um, I don't think you need any introduction to our audience at all. Kim, do you want to sort of set up the main topic that you had for today? Yeah. Um, so... Um, I've been in dogs for a while and like seen some transitions between the way that people approach like kind of philosophy mindset just like general frameworks of how they think about training and teaching um, you know mostly in IGP but also like the evolution of pet dog training and training in the industry as a whole Um, and we've all heard that thing about like old school um, and that yank and crank mentality um, and I, you know, to it antiquated and most people understand that now, like new people in IGP, you see them come with um, an understanding of marker words and the quadrants and blah, blah, blah. And something that kind of struck me watching Jay work and talk um, at the seminar and actually like kind of connecting some dots on his framework um, that I hadn't really before was this idea that we have to look outside of the Skinner box, um, essentially, right? So I think, you know, in the 80s, there started to be a lot more scientific knowledge that came out just in animal research. And, you know, dolphin trainers picked it up and used it, but like didn't really permeate into dog stuff until probably early 2000s, right? And then like, permeated to the point where now it's common knowledge, you know, 2022, right? Like, I think probably I started to see the shift um, big time, like 2015, I would say, um, where I had people showing up and I was like, wait, (laughs) where the fuck did you learn this? Because it took me forever to figure it out. Um, But basically, like, I think, or I feel like kind of the next step is breaking out of behavioralism. Um, And this has been a thought kicking around in my head for a while, where, um, you know, in IGP, we talk about drives and like, I guess call it ethology, like it's not quite the right word, but, um, you know, understanding that animals have an emotional life and a psychological life deeper than just pushing levers and getting a sugar pellet, you know? Um, and so I kind of just wanted to like wrap you up on that and see if you had any thoughts, because it's been something, like I said, that's kind of been rolling around in my head as I see these transitions and, um how we think about dogs and like obviously those those principles are still important but I think we've been looking at it as like 90% of the framework and I think realistically it's not it's not as big of a piece as it as it kind of should be um yeah I mean I think I think man it's 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 a tough one because I think that 
it's almost like there's different uh it's like a car you you need all the pieces of a car to make it work but like right. there's the fuel system and then there's the there's the steering system like there's all these different systems uh and if you don't have the fuel system working the car is not going to operate properly and if you don't have the steering system working but like the 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 things that you do in the fuel system don't have anything to do with the rest of the systems of like they're, they're 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 separate but they're synergistic you know right and i think the problem is people for the longest time in dog training and there's a re there i think there's a reason for this i came up with this talking to somebody just the other day so i haven't really said it on air yet mm. so it's like i think there's a reason for it which is interesting to talk about but i think what happened is dog training got boiled down to the idea of of behavior like literally yeah, just just behavior like can you make the dog get into a certain position and look a certain way can you make them turn their head two degrees more to the left than it was a minute ago and can you get them to go to the refrigerator and get a beer out or whatever the fuck <laughs> we're dogs to do but it's like wh whatever it is it, it gets boiled down to this behavior yep. and in that regard behavioral science and behavioral manipulation and the use of the quadrants and successive approximation and free shaping and all the words that everybody loves so much. It's like that mm -hmm. shit's really important because it is all there is in the system of creating and, and changing actual behaviors. You know what I mean? Right. But then it's like, you can study that on a pigeon. You can study that on right. an amoeba. You can study that on, you know, uh, whatever, man, uh, any animal in the world from single cell shit to like, you know what I mean? Like complicated, complicated animals, mammals, fucking birds. Like it doesn't matter. Like you can use this idea of quadrants and behaviorism to, to, to get any animal to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then so everybody's like, cool, then that's training. And it's like, man, I think that kind of reduces, if you try to make everything about that, it reduces the totality of the animal to just that one idea, that one system. Right. It's pertinent, man. It's important. Cause if I want to teach my dog the middle position, for some reason because i think it's important or i want to get my dog to do a recall i need to understand those things like i'm not going to get my dog to recall reliably in all circumstances if i don't understand those those that that system of behavioral change the quadrants are really going to be important but like every yeah. dog trainer has to go through that stage of learning you, got you can't to. skip it yeah you yeah. have to i mean unless you're not going to accomplish behaviors well right <laughs> you know what i'm saying but there, but honestly but this is the thing man like like the world has gotten big, but it, it, it has made people, it has allowed people to get very, very narrow, you know? Yeah. So like, I know dog trainers who make a decent living and they do not teach behaviors. Right. Like they teach dogs to relax and hang out and be chill. And that's their whole thing. And you're like, they'll look at you and go, yeah, I don't really do sit down, stay, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? I guess like, it's not your traditional behaviors, but. No, no, no. But like, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is like now, yeah. but there's people now that they make a good living teaching, you know, some fucking niche sport and they don't do anything else. And it's like, For you sure. know, if you come to them and you're, they're like, I'm a tribal teacher and you're like, okay, I guess. I mean, whatever, but it's like, who cares? <laughs> but it's like, I, I, I think, I think if you're going to try to make behavioral you know, nudging a dog to do different behaviors. You got a specific behavior you want to see. I think understanding behavioral science is really important, but I think it's reduced 
people's people have this really myopic view of dogs yeah. now where they it's like a mathematical like when i talk to ivan about it ivan's like they've reduced dogs like have you ever seen the little robot dogs like on fucking like brookstone on the airplane or something you know it's like it's a tiny little robot and it's got yeah. three commands and it sits and it does a backflip and it spins around like <laughs> people are happy with that yeah like they want little robot dogs and or they think about dog training and just like this mathematical input output behavioral you know quantifiable behavioral you know equation and it's just it's so flat and it's so soulless and it's so unhappy to well, me think, that it's like it's brutal yeah i think one thing that and i i tell this uh i use it sometimes in like coaching some of my clients that like um and it really struck me that i think um again like something that i realized in watching your work is that there's this some fucking st- psych study um where they had a uh, you know group of students they come in to take a test they think the test you know they, they didn't realize what the test was actually for right and one group they had um they had them hold a pencil in their mouth so like imagine biting your finger biting a pencil you have to use the muscles that are uh that are activated when you smile the other group of students you know nothing um just took the test normally and then they interviewed the students and the um the people that were uh holding the pencil in their mouth reported a more positive experience taking the test than those who didn't so basically revealing this idea and like that idea has been replicated that um if you you're it's a mind-body connection both ways right and i think the way we treat dogs a lot of times is we try to we try to make a behavior to make the emotion rather than just like going straight to the emotion. Um, and like, sometimes it doesn't like, sometimes we don't push the right buttons. Like it's that idea with place, right? Like you can put a dog on place to get them to relax, or you can just teach the dog to relax. Um, (laughs) and like, people are just not understanding why they're doing what they're doing and because it's about the behavior, right? You're like, sweet, I have place, but like, why the fuck? I mean, and like, yeah, there's uses for place and like, blah, 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 blah. But like, at the end well, of the day, pet owners want their dog to relax ultimately when people walk in the door or when the UPS man knocks on the door. Well, um, so what happens yeah, What happens is there's like, it's, it's this series of unfortunate like circumstances that happens, right? Like when, when, when all you have is a, is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail kind of situation, yeah. right? And so here's, here's my theory. This is what I think happened. And I, this could be complete bullshit because I just came up with it like two days ago. So we'll have to see if this whole thing, right? Um, hey, heel and heel <laughs> listeners, you're getting a J-Jack exclusive. First look. <laughs> or maybe I've talked a lot about it. I have no memory. So maybe I said <laughs> sure. this in a video a year ago. Who knows? But uh, I, think, I think this is new. Um, because it's something I was just thinking about. Like when I try to think about why things happen, you know what I mean? Because if you can understand mm-hmm. why, you can figure out a whole bunch of what's, right? So if I can yeah. understand why something is happening, then I can fix it a little bit easier or I can communicate around it or through it a little better. And so I think what happened is a long time ago, like when dog training first started really popping up, right? Dogs had full, rich lives with yeah. a lot of fulfillment, right? Like the dogs, like, man, they were they were, they were either working dogs. And so they were a little bit more tightly controlled as in they didn't just run the neighborhood loose. They had shit to do, but the yeah. shit that they did spun their dies because we yeah. bred dogs to enjoy the work they did. That's why they do it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like dogs had way more fulfilling lives. They either were fulfilled by their purpose 
or they were fulfilled by freedom. Like mm-hmm. they ran around loose, they ran the neighborhood, they herded sheep, they actually did work. You know, they, they, they had this full, rich, expressive, biologically appropriate lifestyle, right? So mm-hmm. they were fulfilled and happy and we were fulfilled and happy. And then in the moments where we merged and shared our lives together, like we needed just a little bit of help with how to make this totally healthy and fulfilled being mesh a little bit better. And so like, we didn't need much obedience way back when, because we didn't really care. But when the roads got paved and all of a sudden, you know, that car is going to run over your fucking dog. And like, this guy's going to sue you. And like, now there's a law about you got to have a dog on a leash and all this shit started popping up. The world started getting tighter and more restrictive. It made when we had our lives with dogs, the, the place where we disagreed the most wasn't on fulfillment and emotional content. It was on behavior. I need you to walk a little bit slower because now you're stuck on this leash. Or I need you to come back when called because you can't be in the neighbor's yard. Or I need you to whatever. You know what I mean? I need you to stay at the doorway and wait for the guy to come in the door because if you run outside, the mailman's going to make a complaint and it's this whole fucking thing. And now we had to teach dogs what to do very specifically behaviors to make in specific situations. So when people first started going to a dog trainer, what they needed help with was I have a totally rad dog and we have a totally rad life together, but it would just be Mm -hmm. more convenient if I could teach him how to do these very particular things. And so we came up with sit down, stand, heel, whatever, right? Like the seven basics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's cool. But that was dog training. But that's because all we needed to fix was specific behaviors. You yeah. know what I mean? And so everybody that was a dog trainer was like, cool, that is my job. I teach behaviors to, to fulfilled, healthy, happy dogs <laughs> that are genetically right. sound and fucking right. raised well. You know what I mean? Like, it's awesome. Yeah. And so all we need to do is go, hey, man, just downstay while I put the groceries away don't run through the door whatever and it's like this long tradition of only being concerned with behaviors was functional it wasn't dysfunctional it was functional that's all they were asking of us but i think around those people the tradition of dog training being obsessed with these fucking behaviors it's now not serving us because now the function isn't to like help dogs learn behaviors now we're getting dogs that are they're emotionally unfulfilled they're emotionally stunted. They're traumatized. They're like, it, it's it's not the same thing. Like now what they need is a fucking psychologist. Now they need right. somebody, they need relationship counselors now. You know, right. they need like life coaches now. Like yeah. be- behaviors are like literally the least important, least concerning thing that we can do for people at this point with their dogs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it took a long time for people to realize that because then again, what happens is, in the beginning, we just needed a dog to hold place so we could have a dinner party without our dog fucking up everybody's dresses. Cool. So place was the only thing you needed from a fucking dog trainer. And that's fine. But then it's like, look, man, I don't really give a fuck about place. I need my dog to relax. I don't need place. I need relax. But somebody that thinks like the whole world is a fucking nail, if you've got a place board, the solution for every problem is place. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, well, you need your dog to relax. And I noticed that if you do a fuck ton of place work with dogs, they get bored as shit. So I'm going to use my magic goddamn place board to teach you how to relax. And can it work? Of course it can work. It absolutely can. I can show you three different ways to help a dog relax on fucking place or through the use of place. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like this crazy 
obedience is this really fucking circuitous, like, like not direct, non-linear right. path to a goal. Like we don't need, they'll teach a dog place. The dog holds place. They release the dog from place. Okay, great. Now you have a behavioral. How does that teach the dog to relax? It totally doesn't. So I'm going to leave you on place for fucking eons until you're bored right. out of your head. And then I'm going to release you from place. And the second you go over five RPMs, I'm going to go, uh-uh, and put you back on place. And you're going to go, fuck, man, what happened? And every time you get jazzed up, you get stuck back on place. And then through free shaping with right. boredom, <laughs> I'm going to like use negative punishment to free shape you into boredom. And then you're like, well, if I want to be, if I want to have liberty, I have to be chill or else I get stuck right. back on place. But that takes weeks or months and it's fucking ridiculous because you could just teach the dog to relax <laughs> like right away. You could just teach the dog to fucking chill pretty easily, pretty quickly, if that's what you think your goal is. But people are so hung up on behaviors and then every answer needs a behavior to, to make the answer. And it's like you can do it. Obviously, people are doing it, but it's just it's so it's so yes. roundabout. It's just not yeah. direct at all. And yeah. then you get into the thing of like, man, emotions drive behaviors. And there's no such thing as a Skinner box outside of a lab. You know what I mean? Like right. emotions drive behaviors and people just don't understand or pay attention to emotional content of their dogs. I mean, one emotion as its own study or its own goal or its own thing, you know what I mean? Like emotion in itself as a subject of, of training or, or a modality of study people don't think about it and then even if you're going to be obsessed with behavior people don't think about how emotions are wrapped up in behaviors and then you get these things where it's like you have these dogs that are doing these behaviors but their emotions are wrong and so the flavor of it's wrong and then you're still like well that didn't that didn't work like that didn't solve my problem because your problem wasn't can you get them to hold their paw a certain fucking way your problem was they were emotionally in the wrong headspace mm-hmm so, yeah. Anyway, I think that's what happened. I think dogs yeah, no, were I... different and they required a different solution. And mostly all you needed to do to fix dogs back then was help them with behaviors because emotionally they were fine. They were content. They just, right. there were certain circumstances where it would be more convenient if they knew how to do a couple of real specific things. And well, now I, also... I don't think that's the solution. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think though, too, like it just it was the tool that people had available at the time as well. Like um, it wasn't Skinner, but one of his associates, whatever, somebody's going to get mad that I got the wrong name, but like, yeah. basically said like, it's that famous quote of like, I can take any, um, you know, I can take any boy and make him either a criminal or a lawyer um, because there was no acknowledgement of either prepackaged genetics in animals or again like yeah like emotions are also driven by genetic like again it's that holistic um system right that synergistic system and there was no acknowledgement in the beginning when we started studying animals because you couldn't observe emotions you couldn't say that they existed and so i think that also trickled down to like well it's fucked this you, can, fear. you can observe the shit out of them but you can't quantify them yes right right you know what like, I mean? like, no and then we quantify. get into like if i'm gonna abuse science right you can't use unquantifiable you right. know things you have to like it if it can't be quantified then we can't discuss it yet like our our, right. our technology is not such that we can 
like nobody's ever done a study on the fucking soul because we can't right. I mean, you just can't do it you're like shit how do you measure it i don't know fuck where is it i don't know well we can't right. deal with that that's not our purview you know right. so it's like i mean i don't know you can do emotional studies with people because you can ask them about how they them. feel now and we can do functional mris on dogs now they're doing functional mris on dogs so now we are getting into studying yes. emotions because we can quantify but back then the only quantification of yeah. emotions was discussion you could tell right. somebody how you felt and dogs couldn't do that yeah so i definitely think it was a combination of like it was the tools available to those dog trainers and then also like you say it, it did work um for a while until society got kind of disconnected from dogs as dogs but dude, their lives have just gotten so much more fucked up and compressed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's the the fucked up. I mean, ours have too. It's not this is not just a dog problem. Like we were sure, not designed sure. to spend a fucking whole day under fluorescent lights in a cubicle either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like our like people are suffering the mental health. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because everybody's complaining and bitching about fucking COVID and the deleterious effects on their lives and i'm like you realize you're getting a two-year taste of what you've done to dogs right yeah yeah do you know what i mean like i can't do my favorite activities and i can't see my people and i don't have the <laughs> access to the things that make me happy i'm like well guess what cunt that's what you've been doing to your dog for the last six years you know it's true wow that just like literally brought tears to my eyes to be honest <laughs> <laughs> like that's so true wow i mean 100 percent, and it's it's really sad and again that's the problem is we haven't caught up with the need do you know what i'm saying like yeah. uh, uh, um, the need is different now because the world is different now so mm -hmm. like 30 40 50 years ago dogs weren't in this critical need of fulfillment they had fulfillment they ran the neighborhood. They did their job. You know what I mean? They went hunting. They fucking herded sheep. Even if they were like suburban dogs, they ran around. Fucking everybody went everywhere. Like we didn't have you can't bring your dog in the store laws until 20 years ago, you know? So like right. people took their fucking dogs wherever they wanted to. They tied their dogs up outside the cafe and had breakfast. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't the dog's lives weren't as fucking stunted as they are now. Mm -hmm. And so dogs were more fulfilled. The breeding was better. There wasn't, you know what I mean? Like dogs were either free bred, like naturally and therefore natural selection folk, you know, uh, drove their, their health and their mental stability, or they were purpose bred and the purpose breeding drove their health and mental stability. And that's cool. But like, there wasn't just these millions upon millions of dogs with these fucking just shotgun bred bad genetics or traumatized through horrible circumstances like you didn't have that shit back then mm -hmm. so like a dog trainer's job was legit just like man it'd be way more awesome if they walked on it, around this area instead of all right. over the place and you're like go oh, boom i'm a dog trainer but your solution to everything was how do i get a dog to do a very particular behavior and that's all you mm -hmm. need to care about but mm -hmm. i think the world has changed around us and dogs are different and now they're dogs who quite honestly if you could if you could open up play in their life and fulfill them biologically through play, all of the things that you perceive as problems would go away and they still wouldn't know how to sit or fucking recall. But honestly, you're not going to care. Be okay. You're yeah. not going to care. You know what I mean? There's, there's never been a person that had a dog that was awesome. Like they just have that fucking, you know, they make you mad. 
because their dog is so awesome and they don't do anything. <laughs> you know what I mean, their dog is just well behaved. It happens to walk nicely and generally comes back when they want them to. None of those people ever hire a dog trainer because their dog is set. But their mm-hmm. dog is set because they won the lottery of being healthy and fulfilled and meshing well with their owners. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a problem. And a long time ago, the only problem was they didn't mesh well. They were genetically fine and they were, they were set. They were healthy, happy, whole, fulfilled dogs, but they just didn't read us right. So they just needed to learn a couple keywords and a couple key behaviors. But now it's like you're getting these dogs that are super fucked up because their lives are shot. And it's like the owner could obsess about behaviors all day and it's not going to fix the problem. It's going to fix the picture. The dog's going to be in place in heel in a down, but that dog's world is going to get even smaller than it is now. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be biologically fulfilled. It's just going to be contained. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, man, that's not the problem. If you could get these people to fix their dogs emotionally, then they wouldn't need you to teach behaviors because they would then have that air quotes, naturally good dog that doesn't give anybody any problems, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that's just a harder thing because not only is it easier for people to, to use these tools, like it's easier to, I could teach, I said this on somebody's podcast recently, I could teach a hundred dog trainers in a three hour course, basics of a behavioral thing and get them to where they could teach a middle position pretty well. You know what I mean? Like pretty quickly. I like the mm-hmm. turnover rate would be faster for me to produce more people that can competently train a behavior. If we could pick a target behavior, if you tell me to coach a hundred people and get them skillful at play, that's going to take so much fucking longer because it's not this quantifiable, put the dog in this position with its shoulder blading lining up to your hip bone. Like it's not like that. It's what does play look like? Well, it depends because play is an expression and interplay between two individuals. Every individual is different. And it's like, not to get too weird, but like in the, in the poly community, you have this idea that people react differently. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard that idea. It's like Hmm. you, if you mix salt and if you mix like two chemicals together, they're Mm going to have a reaction that is different than like, if I mix sodium and potassium together, I'm going to get a different reaction than if I mix sodium and calcium together. Sodium didn't change. Sodium's not two-faced. Do you know what I mean? It just creates a different thing when it's mixed with a different component. And Mm -hmm. so like individual interactions are like that. When you see I'm an individual, I have certain biases and preferences. I have certain play styles that are natural to me. When I interact with this other being, the interaction that you're going to get, the chemical reaction you're going to get is going to look like one thing. But if you take me and a different being and we do the exact same activity, it's going to look totally fucking different because our interaction between us as individuals is going to create a new picture. Do you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. like to teach somebody how to be fluent in, in a language like that takes longer than to teach them how to teach us sit in three easy steps. And so like when we're trying to teach somebody dog training, it's just easier to go, look, man, here's sit down, stand. And then they talk to their clients. And when their clients go, what do I do? It's easier to go sit down, stand. And like, it's just so fucking easy that everybody sticks with it and they get obsessed with it, but it's like, they're missing the point, you know? Right. So Jay, we sound like a super negative dude. Jesus. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, like I did. I can hear the tone of my voice just meh. Like I sound like I'm fucking whining. It's so bad. 
I disagree. I don't think it's whining. I really am enjoying myself. But so when Kim came back from the seminar, um, she was really fired up about play. And at one of our drop in nights where we do like group training, we did like a focus on play. And in particular, a lot of the young girls that we're working with, um, some of them with their first working dogs, this culture in the community about the way that you're supposed to live with these dogs because they're working dogs or whatever right sure. mm-hmm. and it what it does is it creates these girls who are scared to enjoy their animal and like yeah. scared to do use anything their outside of the to, perceived box right use their bodies to interact with their animal in a way that isn't luring a heel and things like that yeah. and like sometimes it, it's kind of hard for me to sit there sometimes because i'm like <laughs> you don't just like pounce your dog sometimes or like you know goose them and then run in the other direction like when you're in your house like you don't just do that and they don't and I think that that's something that I think that your influence has the the ability to change a lot of people's lives in the Schutzen community because Mm -hmm. you know you have to have that play-based relationship to get this really amazing motivation-based obedience work that we're drifting towards now you have to have the dogs in the house you have to have these organic interactions with them in this play-based manner if you can't do that you're just never going to get the flashy obedience and you're never going to get the points right it's really it's really a a kind of an interesting since i'm just being captain fucking negative today it's a a really interesting (laughs) thing because again the cold answer to that question is capture bonding, right? Rather yeah. than creating a true it's relationship. It's what IGB people have kind of traditionally done, not going to lie. Yeah, know, it's but, definitely but, a, a part of the culture. But that's what I'm saying. Not everyone, like, but a lot. <laughs> no, dude, it's like it's pervasive in the dog yeah. world. It, it really yeah. is. And it's it's this weird, it's, man, it's that's like. That's how I grew up. Here's a, fucked up, here's, a, here's a fucked up story for you. When I was a kid, right? So I grew up kind of in this fucked up biker culture, right? And when I was a kid, there was this dude in the like president of the local biker club that I kind of was associated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, his old lady. This is so, so I. This is so <laughs> bad, right? So because because it's so typical. Like his name was Frosty, and her name was Sunshine. And it's just so oh, stupid. God. It's so fucking stupid, right? Just so <laughs> dumb. But anyway, so like every Sunday she would go out and wash his bike. Now this was an expression of love because he actually treated her well for that culture at that time i'm saying in parentheses right yeah right (laughs) but but their perception together was that they had a great relationship she felt cared for she felt taken care of and this was an act of kind he didn't ask her to do it it was not you know what i mean like this was just she just did it she wanted her old man's bike to be fucking clean and she went out there and fucking cleaned the shit out of that bike i mean it was in a bikini and daisy dukes and it was in public and shit but whatever do you know what i mean but she did it and it was and it was it was really sweet it was actually really sweet right and everybody saw that and they were like, that's fucking cool. I love the relationship you have with your old lady. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make mine do that right. too. Right. And so now there's six women out there washing bikes outside the clubhouse. And one of them is happy and smiley because she loves her old man. Everybody else has got a black <laughs> eye. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not the same thing. You can create the picture, but it's not the same right. And that's the sad fucked up thing. Like I wrote an article in 2014 about capture bonding because I realized that's what people are doing. Like mm-hmm. when, when everybody goes, Oh, you know, the new school is relationship. Like back in the day, you just beat every, yeah. every dog into compliance. Right. Right. But it made for this really grungy, like obedience. It made for like super flat ears pinned back. Like, Oh my God, it's real bad. And yeah. everybody goes, well, I hate that. We want the attitude to be better. Well, how do you make the attitude better? 
Well, you've got to make them love you and you've got to make them love the work and you've got to make them, you know, want to be your partner. And it's like, cool. And that's a true fucking statement. But then, but then you get people these people use scarcity to, to make it. And yeah, like, but it's well, like, it's not really you know, like, I, listen, you know, uh, I could take anybody in the world and put them in my fucking basement and give me six weeks and they will love me. They'll, they, they'll do my grocery <laughs> shopping and come back. And like, if you try to take them away from me, they'll scream and cry and go, please don't take me. He needs me. You know what I mean? Like, but yep. that doesn't mean we're in love. Like, it takes longer to build a real relationship than to capture bond. But people will do that. Like people go, oh, if relationship is the answer, how, what's the most reliable way to make a relationship quickly? And they're not wrong. Everything good comes through me. I give you arbitrary things that you must do lest you make me unhappy. Like I give resources, I take resources away. I make you depend on me for everything. Like it's a, it's a, it's a fucked up thing, but it's like they had the right answer. Yeah, relationship. But then they had the wrong fucking strategy to make it, you know? Right. But this left of the answer thing happens a lot in dogs. Me and you were talking, me and Kim were talking about this. I don't know if the seminar or something else, but people don't understand teaching the dog commitment to the game. Instead, they just frustrate the fuck out of the yeah. dog in yeah. the hopes that they will vent that anger into the next uh, opportunity to to do something, and, and now so, we're also breeding dogs that are easily frustrated and vent anger onto. Fighting. But that's but that's the thing. So it's like, <laughs> but, but it's, a, like it's an ongoing. We go even thing. further with that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. an ongoing thing. It's like if you are going to use capture bonding as your way of developing a, a what looks like a love. How did we lose you? a panic like the panic system like where they're like oh my god please don't leave me oh my god please don't leave like you need that because that works better for your system if what mm -hmm. you need to do is capture bond so we make right. these panicky dogs and yeah. then we want driven performance but we don't know how to get commitment to the game so we just make nervy dogs that are super frustrated and vent into activities and they're like look it's got a lot of drive and a lot of connection and you're like that mm -hmm. dog is a fucking mess Dude, that's uh -huh. a mess, you know? So it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I think people have to realize, stop trying to do what looks like the thing and just do the yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. But that said, it's hard because if you've never been told you can make a real relationship and right. all you ever know is capture bonding, then, then right. that's all you'll think you have to do that, you know? Like these young girls that Lainey is talking about, like they absolutely genuinely really, really love their dogs. Like, yeah for sure but they just don't know any better because yeah like you just don't know what you don't know yeah. um and again i think what what really struck me about like your style of teaching that um is definitely something like i'm gonna continue to strive to learn um is how principle-based it is and like getting at okay again the why right like it's it's not the what it's the why like yep. why are you teaching your dog place why are you playing with your dog in this manner why are you frustrating your dog and actually yes. like digging in and asking those questions then you can figure out okay if you know why you know we can now deconstruct and um go through the process of figuring out a million other ways to do this that might be um like better suited to actually um like fulfilling the principles that we're trying to get to yeah do you know so like there's a way Tell me if we're Wait. on the wrong track. Like uh, if you have a hang plan, on, Lainey, is, Jay, is Jay cutting out for you? 
Uh, I cut out missed, for just a second there. I missed one beat for him. Um, Jay, if, maybe if you switch from Wi-Fi to cell service, that can help a little bit better sometimes. I only lost, I just oh, lost you for no. a second. My cell, my cell service is fucked out here. Okay, just okay. to figure out. I mean, it's only skipped one time in 40 minutes, so we should okay. No, you're good. You're good. So anyway, let me know if you guys want to talk about something else. Like I'll just, I'll just blather about anything for the longest time. (laughs) So if you want me to switch, just tell me. We're loving it. I think um, I I, I wanted to bring this up because I think again, like um, I, I want to like one of my goals for this podcast is like to introduce, I guess, alternative ideas, right? Like I know there are other people out there like for sure pushing these. Sure. Um, or this style, right? But like, I think, I think there's still too much of an emphasis in the sport world on mm, how to say it, right? Like, the perception, and like, I think mm, people that are successful understand this implicitly, but they don't understand how to draw it out and teach it. So we have a lot of people that are trying to again make that picture, as you were saying of flashy healing but they're using this route to go about it that is kind of artificial and a little bit chaotic and not super healthy um and so like for me i want to get that idea out there of just living with these dogs a little bit more holistically and like i have one particular client (laughs) she'll uh she'll probably like recognize this so shout out to you uh but um hopefully she doesn't mind me talking about her but anyway um she uh was was from a different club and um you know kind of like lived with the dog in a certain way um and we were just having this discussion right about like shaking things up in in how she perceived her relationship with her dog and I told her like take your dog out like walk him around take him into home people with you like like just be buddies with him treat him like a pet um because she has like she trained her own service dog like she's for sure for sure capable um, of doing that so it was like sweet like take them out and about and uh the next time I saw her and she had done that she was like it's shocking how much clearer clearer he is when I actually take him out and work, and work him like she was seeing his actual drive come out rather yeah. than the frantic scarcity based <laughs> work that that she was getting previously and I, I see that all the time. Like, that's such a common story. Like, I'm using that single example because it's the one that's most recent. But, like, I've had that experience quite a bit over the past I don't know, year or two, for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's a it's a really common thing. I think what people worry about, I think what people worry about is they have this, they don't understand the benefits of play done well. They They don't understand the benefits of play. Well, so first of all, play to them is not uh they view it as this extra the superfluous this like yes it's the i have ice to do cream. this to get to the obedience god damn it <laughs> or, it's, or it's just it's just the ice cream that you give them at the end of the day it's either it's either yeah. it's either the transactional thing i give you for doing yeah. the work or yeah. it's like i throw the ball for you to get your steam out or you're going to be a dick when i try to put you in the crate tonight yeah you know what i mean but it's it, other than other than a vent valve or use as a leverage for reinforcement, mm-hmm. they don't see the value in it of itself. They That's the world of pet and frivolous and softies, you know, <laughs> and, and they yeah. don't, they don't see the benefit of it, you know, or they have a fear of it. Literally. Like they go, people will say, man, like if you take your dog out and you coddle your working dog, 
you're gonna mm-hmm. ruin them for the work and i'm like dude i didn't say coddle i said play do you know what i mean right. <laughs> like right like in fact yeah. it's the opposite <laughs> it's the total opposite it's the total right. you know what i mean people are like well if you become the silly motherfucker if you're the goofy doofus throw the ball good baby talk goo goo gaga person <laughs> how are they going to do the work for you because they you know what i mean and it's yeah. like you what what crushes me about that not to talk shit about people but here i go right like <laughs> <laughs> i get real irritated at people who oh man so it's been like this my whole life like when i was a kid i grew up around fighting dogs right Mm -hmm. and i also fought right so like Mm -hmm. anybody that i knew that fought their dogs they also fought themselves so they may have been morally wrong because they were fighting dogs but at least they weren't hypocritical you know what i mean right and i always look down on those people that would put their dog in a pit but not themselves and not their kid you know what I mean like my dad Mm -hmm. would fight me like my dad would put me in a fight like I Mm -hmm. would put me in a fight like I watched my wife fight in the fucking cage for 15 years she fought Mm -hmm. professionally you know what I mean like I fighting is a beautiful thing I realize now that fighting dogs is not good because I understand you know cognition and consent and shit like that now (laughs) you know what I mean like I was I was about 14 when I got away from that world and was like hey I think this makes my stomach hurt I can't do it but it took me a long time to really wrap my head around why because I enjoy fighting and my dog enjoyed fighting so what's the difference and it took me a while to realize it's consent but that's a totally different fucking rabbit hole my point is (laughs) that I really get I got irritated back then at people that would fight their dogs but then back down from they'd be like my dog won't fucking back down all this kind of shit but then you could slap them in the face and they wouldn't do anything mm-hmm. and it was always really annoying to me that they demanded this trait and quality of their dog that they had no understanding of and now there's these people in the sport world that do the same thing and it's like they're they're running it's like people do it with kids you see kids at this jiu-jitsu tournament and like the kid's a little stud. He's like 10 years old. She's like 10, 15 years old. And the parents mm-hmm. just like a fucking piece of shit. It's never did sports, never did <laughs> anything. Like they live in a fucking bubble and they go to their fucking cubicle job. But boy, they're living vicariously through their kid. And yeah. they are just like, you know, screaming at their kid and putting all this pressure on their fucking kid when they have always and will always be unwilling to do that themselves. Yep. Now I'm getting on a bit of a tangent, but it's like, uh, <laughs> actually I'll, uh, Oh, sorry. Finish your thought. It's a, so, but that's a thing for me. Like, I think the reason, the reason that you have all of those misconceptions about play is because people that are saying that shit did not play as training themselves. Yeah. I would never, never would I think that my boxing coach when I was 12, my boxing coach, I would never be like, yeah, that guy's kind of a bitch because he's the dude I do my fun thing with. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I would yeah. never. Yeah. My dad, me and my dad would fucking wrestle and it would be the shit and it was awesome. And never mm-hmm. once when he was like, man, clean your room, was I like, fuck you, bro. I pinned you yesterday. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. Right. People throughout history, man, like parents can't get their kid. Parents who are authoritarians, who do no play, who have the like, you do what I say because I'm your fucking mom 
right? They can't get the kid to clean the room and they go, I'm going to call your fucking coach and tell him you're not cleaning your room. And the kid starts cleaning his room. Yep. But why if play, if the dude that is your play trainer is, if play makes you so like disrespectful and like not give a fuck and view them as a peer, how are those relationships possible? You know what I mean? It's funny, right? Because we in IGP, we always kind of like, and not like joke, but also it's true, right? That like, um, you know, uh, the helper is the dog's best friend, right? Like they all love the helper and it, yes. the helper can get such a better level of respect from the dog yeah. than the handler can a lot of the times. Like the dogs that I develop in bite work, like they'll do anything for me, you know, because well, I'm the any, fun play but, guy. But on both sides, right? So people, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. people that don't understand will go, well, of course they do because you have the crack pipe. Like you have the fun, but that's bribery. I want my dog to do it because they respect me. And you're like, right, dude, I said so. it, but, and I get it. One, it bothers me that people put so much more goddamn value on negative reinforcement than positive. Yeah. Like why the fuck is one? Why you do you go to pressure first? Uh, well, it's, why is one better? Because yeah. yeah. it's both, yeah. it's both coercion, dude. It's right. like, you know what I mean? Like the dog doesn't want to fucking do it. You're you're manipulating them. So why are you so I like people will go if he's only doing it because I give him a cookie. And it's like, well, he's only doing it for you because he's trying not to get a beating. Right. Like, how is one better than the other? They're both manipulation. So why are you so hung up on which one it is? You know? Right. I mean, that's one thing that's ridiculous. But the other thing is people act like that's the only thing it is. But I'm telling you right now, proper play develops mm-hmm. more deference and more respect yeah. than people give it credit for one of the reasons that the decoy gets better behavior out of the dog yes it is because he's the source of fun but it's also because you like negative punishment you can only take away what a being wants and hopes to get mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like if i have no idea if you walk up and say hey, what's your favorite color? And I go fucking blue. And you go, oh, well, I thought you were going to say black and you walk off. I have no disappointment because (laughs) I didn't expect to get anything. But if you walk up and you've got a million dollars and you're like, I'm going to give a million dollars to the person that answers this question, what's my favorite color? And I go blue and you go, nope, black. I'm going to go fuck and be all disappointed. (laughs) So like negative punishment has value only in its anticipation of positive reinforcement. And so if the decoy is the source of this amazing positive reinforcement, that means he also wields the major power of positive, of negative punishment. Mm -hmm. So like the more positive reinforcement I have expectation of, of giving my dog, that is the the size of the sword I can yield on, I can wield on fucking negative punishment. Mm -hmm. So it gives me leverage on both sides. In addition to the fact that I'm the one that sets the game, like, yes, I'm the opponent and he's currently biting me right now. And he's currently whooping my ass and I'm powerless to stop it. But the decoy is also the one that corrects the dog off the bite. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you didn't walk your ass all the way over there and did it. He took the fucking slip and fucking caca and cracked the dog a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, man, deference is built coach. I respect my coaches more than I respected any fucking teacher in school ever. Yep. You know what I mean? Even though they have the same position, they're both adults. They're both in an authority position. My coach, my, my senior teammates, I respected mm-hmm. them more than any teacher I ever had because do you know what I mean? Like, fuck, 
Those guys yep. were my team. Those guys, of course, you know, but not just because it was bribery. Like I desperately wanted, I like, I, I, I needed that relationship to go well because they were the key. And if they yep. were like, dude, I'm bummed out. I would, my feelings would get hurt. You could break my fucking nose and I would give no shits at all. But if my teammate or my coach like looked at me like they were bummed once, I wanted to die. Like that's a lot of leverage. And again, it sucks that we got to always go back to leverage because why is everything got to be about that? <laughs> but it's like, you're not shooting yourself in the foot for this leverage structure you're so obsessed with building. You're actually right. empowering a leverage structure. It's like, uh, okay, so this is like a little bit of a psychology thing, right? But like psychopaths, like one way to kind of um, negotiate with them and not negotiate, right? But like a rehab thing is... Um, even if they can't see the morality behind their decisions, they can at least see the economics, right? So yes. like it, is, it is this valid strategy to be like, hey, getting people to like you makes your life go better. And this specific person holds the key. To, you know what I mean? Like, yes, there, that is definitely a part of our brains or like, uh, what is it? Like the three stages of morality, right? Like as a kid, you understand the economics. And then like, if you're, you know, neurotypical or whatever, you develop into okay, I actually do have, like, empathy and care about people and whatever, but, um, like, there's that first stage where it's, like, yeah, it is, it is kind of rooted in those economics, and you learn to look past it, but it, it's valid, right? Like, as much as it, it feels like kind of shitty language to talk about it. Well, I mean, it's just it, a bummer. It it's, like, it's like right. when you're talking to, when you're talking to, I saw, I, I genuinely, <laughs> like, stereotypical dudes irritate me. So it's like when you're listening to a bunch of dudes talk about relationships. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you know, every once in a while you got to make them something nice. And you're like, <laughs> why, why are you like, you see them doing something nice. And you're like, oh man, what are you, what are you making? Ah, I'm making this thing for her. And you're like, well, what, are you, what, what why are you making that? Got to shut her up. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> yeah, you got to put in the work, you know, football seasons come, golf seasons coming up. I got to, then you're All like, right. dude, I mean, I get it, but wouldn't it just be nice to make them something nice? Cause you like them. Like, how about that? <laughs> Fuck you know yeah it's just crazy it's it's like it's really difficult to get people to value relationship and i'm talking humans and dogs right like this is mm-hmm. a, we're going to get into relationship counseling but it's like it's very <laughs> difficult to get people to see the value in altruism and relationship and love and not just view the trappings of those things for the leverage they, they give you. Right. You know what I mean? Cause right. yeah, if you give people gifts, they're more likely to give you reciprocity. And yeah, if you do nice things, right. they're more likely to cut you slack when you fuck things up. But like, you can't think about that shit when you're actually giving people things. You know what <laughs> no. I mean? Like when I play with my dog, truly giving in to play with my dog at that moment, like just giving myself to this being right. Like when I'm going to have this pure interaction with this being, like dude you're not i'm not going like yep two more reps and i'll have enough leverage in the bank to ask for that recall i've been wanting like that's just so do you know what i mean that's like giving a gift so you hope you get the bi-monthly blowjob or whatever it's just fucking flat and gross like a gross way to view a relationship totally so i had a segue like i don't know 10 minutes ago so i'm gonna try to kind of remember it um but oh fuck maybe Lainey can help me out probably not because she's like oh, I can't read your mind Kim and then I ask her to read my mind constantly but well uh, real yes, quick, go ahead. really quick I did want to throw in there Jay that 
I think another aspect that's really unnatural for people is that because of the way we've been taught to live with dogs, they want to check the box of playing with their dog with the play, the kind of play that they like. Um, Mm. see People be like, oh, we've worked so hard on getting my dog to tug or whatever the case may be. But maybe that dog absolutely loves chase or a different type of play, you know. So that's something I really got. I saw you at your Utah Utah seminar um, back in 2020. And that's something I really got out of it then was like, whatever you think is fun like it's not up to you like if you're trying to make the play authentic like you both should be enjoying the play but you isn't have to that strange that. that that's like a lesson you yeah know I know. I mean? isn't that crazy that that's like a oh fuck yeah i mean dude somebody had to tell me too because i'm just some asshole like everybody else right but like it's crazy to think how not obvious it is it's like talking to children about dating or something. You know what I mean? Like you just have to give them such obvious, like think about what they like. Oh, interesting. Fuck, really? The thing, the thing that you said, I don't even remember which podcast on, and it was like years back, but I remember you saying that the reason dogs have such, um, they don't want to heal next to you when you're off leash hiking, like they're vibing at a distance. Mm. You said it's because dogs feel socially attached at a much greater distance than humans do. Yeah. And like when you said that sentence, it like pretty much changed the course of my life basically. Like, because I just <laughs> never thought of it that way. You know, yeah. we had dogs that were like when growing up, we're like, oh, that dog runs off. But he didn't yeah. run off. He was like 40 yards away like yes that's so funny like, right because that's why evan freaks out when i have my dogs off leash because he's like they're gone they're gone and i'm like no they're fucking not like well, they're still um, here but like his natural dogs are he, gone. he hasn't developed that instinct wait what some of your dogs <laughs> certain bloodlines those dogs are gone but yeah okay valid valid but they're eight weeks old and they yeah anyway but it's like that's a that's okay so getting into specifics of training that's one of the reasons that the leash is such a fucking like everybody every like the most asked for thing is loose leash walking and a loose leash reactivity and all these problems in and around the leash themselves and then people fix that by like avoiding the issue they use rewards and they teach the dog to heal so the leash becomes superfluous because you're glued so close to me a leash wouldn't matter but it's like we never really address the issue of the leash itself and that's a problem because again looking at dogs and their natural stuff like we vibe with dogs in every instance except travel speed and proximity you know like Mm -hmm. every other thing we do like we agree on feeling like i couldn't tell you if i'm making a parakeet nervous or not like i have no (laughs) idea if i'm upsetting a fish like i don't know like we don't we may not vibe on the right stuff like you might have to tell me if you act like this around an elephant they're gonna freak out and i'm like oh i didn't know that right but like spatial pressure we agree with dogs um um, possession we agree with dogs like the way we interact with dogs, we've co-evolved together with dogs more than any two other species ever, right? Mm-hmm. Chimpanzees, if you point at something, they won't look at what you point at, they'll look at your finger, but a dog will look at what you pointed at. So it's mm-hmm. like we vibe and get each other in a way that's like really stunning in every facet except travel speed and proximity. We like to go two, they like to go four. We like to stay socially connected about six feet. I think that's because of language. I think we probably had a different, I think, if you want to get into ethology, I think our use of language is what has created that. Because Hmm. I think 
dogs don't use language. Yeah, right. They can see right? body language from a distance. So you so can see body language from a distance. Feet. You can hear you can hear grunts and shit. So like if I'm caveman communication, I go, oh, and you know, I'm upset. I can do that from fucking 40 yards. Yeah. But for us to have an actual conversation from 40 yards is going to be super inconvenient. Yeah. And so like the more we began relying on on verbal language, the closer we got to facilitate verbal language. Now we feel yeah. disconnected. I mean, that's why do you think they set the COVID thing at six feet? It's not, they didn't right. do fucking spittle tests. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just like, this is where you feel about out of my bubble, right? That's why we made leashes six feet long because we have this past this zone. I feel like you're not with me, but I yep. think it's because we rely on language, but now it's just become kind of a, a preset notion that outside this distance, we feel wonky, right? Yeah. But dogs don't have that. They can still feel connected at 50, 50 yards. So then it's like, I think even though we disagreed, when we're off leash, we have enough, like they zip into our zone enough that we don't feel totally yeah. disconnected, but they get out of our zone enough that they don't feel totally inhibited. We get to go two and they get to go four. Yeah. And then it's like, we, you know, it's it's tolerable. Our differences are tolerable. But then we go, okay, leash laws are now in play. We got to put them on a line. Well, how long is the line? Well, obviously six feet, because if you're not, if you're outside six feet, you're not with me anymore. So we right. make the leashes six foot long. We didn't make them eight foot. We made them six foot. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we made them, we made them eight, six foot, not three feet because we feel bad for inhibiting them too much. Cause we would feel inhibited if we had to walk three feet away from a person. Right. So we made it six foot to give them as much freedom as we felt like we could and still be connected. Mm-hmm. But it's just an interesting thing because it's like then people get so combative with the dogs about leashes and reactivity gets so bad and pulling gets so bad and it just becomes this fucking this fucking problem. But it's just sure. really it's really interesting that nobody really thinks about it in those terms, you know, like yeah. I'm going all over the place because it's after dark and I'm sundowning, but that's how it goes. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, we help them with every other thing. Like if we're going to put them in a crate, we think, oh, a crate. I wouldn't want to be in a box. And so we help them acclimate to it. And we go, well, a muzzle, that's going to suck. So we help them acclimate. Nail trimming, that's weird. And we help them acclimate. But then a leash, we'll just take a dog that we've never met, put him on a six-foot leash and go, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's crazy because we would never do that with a dog that's a, a crate or a muzzle or nail trimming. We would either help them or we would forgive them for their irritation. Right. Until such a time that we could help them. You know what I mean? And we never do that with a leash. People put them on a leash and just immediately get mad and go, why are you broken? And it's like, I think people just fail to see the dog's world from their perspective. Yeah. I remembered my segue. Wait, sorry, Lena, go ahead. Well, no, you should go ahead because I had a longer topic, but I want to hear you. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine's also a longer topic. So anyway, um, <laughs> what I was going to say, um, uh, you were talking about how, you know, society today, right, like limits dogs, restricts dogs, and their, um, you know, biological stomach goes down. I feel like, um, you know, the correlate, right, is that, like, humans are kind of living shittier lives, too. And I think um, one thing that, um, I don't know, like, a connection, how to say it, I'm like, yeah, it, it's after dark and I can't talk anymore. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like with your, the culture that you strive to build in your, uh, your jujitsu gym is like strengthening people basically. Right. And yep. so I think with the club culture and like the culture with 
you know, just like people that I teach in the sport or new handlers that come to me or whatever, like having gone through my own personal journey of the sport strengthen strengthening me to a good deal. And it's like, I, I can have that experience of like, oh shit, like the dogs saved my life, you know? Yep. And like, I've always been really driven to share that with other people. Um, and I think something that you've talked about with BJJ is you can either make it just an activity you do on the weekend, or it can be a completely life-changing philosophy altering idea or, you know, like it can completely change your life. Um, and I guess like, you know, again, don't like super have a well-formed question to go with that. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm a worse interviewer than Lainey is, but um, I'd kind of like your thoughts on like, you know, how dogs, can change people's lives or like how you've kind of used dogs uh, to teach people those lessons about like basically how to live a better more fulfilled more connected life i mean it's it's interesting because to me there's no difference between dogs and people you know like one of the reasons i made as much headway in learning how to train professionally trained dogs is because I had been, I mean, when I grew up with dogs, right. But I was that guy that, I mean, I didn't start really focusing on the craft of dog training uh, until like 2010, 2011, something like that. So, you know, I mean, I'm newer uh, or I'm younger in that game, you know, but like, I mean, I grew up with dogs. I was a good dog handler and I had lived with pit bulls and I had a wealth of experience that most people never had handling game dogs, but I didn't know shit about, I couldn't tell you, my dogs drug me around like I was fucking water skiing. I didn't know how to teach any fucking (laughs) behaviors. I just knew how to live well with badass dogs. Um, But yeah, so like, for me, it's all the same shit. Like I teach people and dogs how to fulfill themselves, find their passions, become stronger, get healthy. You know what I mean? Like, be stronger, be less afraid, be fulfilled, be more whole, find a way to be more at peace living in the world that you find yourself in. Right. Like, but that's the same thing that, that mission statement is everybody I get in jujitsu. That mission statement is every dog I get. So like when I have a person that is needing help, I follow that mission statement. When I have a dog that is needing help, I follow that mission statement. When I have a dog and a person that both need help, we follow that mission statement together. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, like, that's the way it is. Like, for some people, they come to me with no dog, and jujitsu is the answer. For other people, they bring me, they're fine, but their dog is fucked up. I help them help their dog how to find it. For some people, they're both fucked up, and they find it together through doing dog sports, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, because, like, if you're going to do drag work with your dog, you got to get your ass out and walk with them as well. So, you know what I mean? Like, none of the sports I do with dogs are sports where you get to just sit in a chair with your fucking parasol and drink lemonade while your dog works real hard. Right. You know? Yeah, and I think it's that uh, that connection again, right, of, like, you can either, right, like, you can either look at place as a way towards, like, back to that discussion, we can go um right at the root of the problem where we can kind of like dance around it and not really get to the right like kind of treat the symptoms rather than uh but i think it's it can be a little bit the same thing with dog sports and like anything in life right like if you're able to look at it right away through the lens of i'm here to learn a lesson or not like a lesson that sounds negative right? <laughs> like i'm here to self-development um, sure 
or you can be there because you're like, oh, fun activity with the dog. And like people approach it very differently. And I think some people kind of automatically already approach, not automatically, right? But somewhere in life, they've already learned that it's useful to take every opportunity as a learning experience. Um, or you have people that haven't really figured that out yet. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting to have both of those. You know, there's people that probably approach drag work. Um, you know, some of them approach it from the from the first standpoint of like, this is a really deep experience that I'm going into potentially, or some of them approach it with like, you know, we're just going for a run on the weekend and I'm not really thinking, or not a run, right? But like, yeah, going for yeah. a walk on the weekend without uh, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. I I always joke we wanted to start a sport where like both you know, like you and your dog both do sled pull. You know what I mean? Like we'll both be like the dog runs up the wall and you catch him and then you've got to run up the wall and grab the toy yourself and fall into a ball pit or something. You know, but nobody will do it. <laughs> or maybe I just need to stop inventing shit. Like I just got to slow down at some point and stop making up new shit. <laughs> um they do have those biathlons at least now which are cool i, I love pe- people seeing you know getting active with their dogs especially with the working dogs that you expect to be in such good shape it's yeah, like yeah you gotta get off the couch too bud i mean um, i talked my way into two uh like tough mutter type runs two or three well maybe three uh like obstacle course races i talked my way into them with one of my dogs oh that's awesome have you done yeah. it yet it's oh no i've already done i've done them several times yeah yeah yeah, sweet. sweet. I want to do that. I, I, I could show you a clip. I mean, I just talk. I'm so, yeah. It's weird. Like I know what I, I know what I, I know what I look like. I know how I come across people. I know how I affect people. You know what I mean? I'm not stupid. I know the effect I have on people. Um, and most of the time, I really try to offset it. Like I'm super polite, and I'm like, you know, I mean, I open doors and I say please and thank you, and I'm very deferent. You know what I mean? And I try to make people feel a little bit more at ease around me. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, I grew up my whole life. But I'm like, if I was like, "Excuse me, what time is it?" People go, "Ah, I'm like, okay." Um, I get it. I get it. Like, I now I know I have to approach really slow and like put my head down and side face because Grandma's gonna fucking scream if I approach her. I mean, I've had people like try to hand me their purse because I was trying to talk to them about something. You know? <laughs> but like, I get it. I look like fucking axe murder, but I, I usually try really hard to offset it with politeness and you know softening my approach or whatever but then when it suits me every once in a while i'm like man i'm gonna walk up and just sign up and act like it's normal and have my dog and just look at this dude and put him in a position to be like sir you can't do that and he's probably not and so (laughs) i'm like i get it in those moments i'm like yeah i'm gonna let it ride this time i'm not gonna soften this for johnny Johnny, we're signing up. I'm bringing my dog. You good with it? And he's like, okay. And you're like, sweet. And now I just did a tough mother with my dog. Awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so I've got, I've got to show you a clip of it. It's pretty rad. There's like, we have like a little clip of me going over like a 12 foot wall with him. So like I down him at the bottom of the wall. I climb up the wall. I get at the top. I repel him up and repel him down the other side and then climb down. And then we both run and then we jump like some little six foot walls together at the same time. It's, it's pretty fucking smooth. It's pretty fun. Yeah, send it. That sounds awesome. Uh, I, definitely... I was younger and less fat, but it I did it. Yeah. I uh, I've definitely leaned into how I'm perceived as well. Like a month ago, I took a bunch of guys for a ride in poker because I just played up the like drunk drunk girl doesn't know what oh, she's no. doing. 
I can't do poker. I still don't know how to play poker. You will have to learn. At poker, the fact that you don't know how to play is crazy because it's pretty much the most interesting way to experience humans like in my opinion like it's so no no it's not like people like people that you have known for years are completely (laughs) different people in card games like i know you have fighting but for me it's definitely cards (laughs) i was gonna say like i was gonna say when you take somebody's air they get real different too like it's it's yeah yeah. we we get we get very interpersonal in my world it's pretty interesting but yeah i i I never learned how to play i never learned how to play poker because that's like normal people stuff <laughs> like well like you... spades i know how to play spades that just gives you an indication of what my life has been like like <laughs> that's some white trash jail cards right there poker you don't play poker in jail we play spades i okay i i should <laughs> some books there's there's some very interesting things about poker anyway um so what i want to I, like my one thing i wanted to talk to you about a little bit tonight was just yeah, you know, okay, you're good. <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk to you really quick today about, um, you know, I see you doing all this work around the country, right? And educating all these people and, and just sharing your knowledge and disseminating, you know, all these theories and all this stuff. But like, I guess I get really overwhelmed and sad um, when I'm trying to work with people in our small community because I feel like there's such an insurmountable amount of knowledge and, like, things that should be obvious to people, right? So, like, even what you're talking about in play, like, a simple lesson like that that, in theory, people should just be able to understand and you shouldn't need to tell them. I guess, like, as an educator, you know, with your educator hat on, is it really hard sometimes to feel like you're telling people things that they should intuitively know? Or do you know what I mean? Like, do you get a little bit of despair about that? No. I mean, okay, yes and no. No, yes, in the degree that, like, humans are super disappointing and I have no faith in humanity and I hate everybody, (laughs) right? Like, so sure. Yes, of course I'm disappointing because I fucking hate everybody, right? But no. (laughs) Like, no. You put my educator hat on. You are super cheery tonight. Gosh. I'm always like this. What are you talking about? So... (laughs) But no, like I, I, I don't, I don't get who, who the fuck was it? Somebody famous, and I can't remember who now said like, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it very well. Mm-hmm. Who was that? I don't I know, idea, but fuck. I mean, I butchered the quote. I'm sure it was more eloquent, but something like that, right? Um, anyway, grass like Tyson or somebody like that. Somebody like <laughs> some fucking somebody smarter than me, right? Somebody that went to fucking high school. But anyway. Um, yeah, so to me, it's like, okay, so I think, Kim, actually, it was you, one of the people I was talking to about we don't approach people like we approach dogs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? Like, so when you have a dog and the dog doesn't get it, when you, you, you try to teach a dog something and he's not understanding, what's the answer with a dog? It's break it down. Like, we've got we've to break it down. We've got to make successive mm-hmm. approximation. We've got to break things into chunks and do things bit by bit, right? And then add them together as we chain them together. Like everybody knows that's the approach with the dog. But then when we get to a person, we'll go, here's this, com- here's this concept, blah. And they go, fuck, that's way too much. And then we go, you're stupid. <laughs> 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 like, 
you just got to go like, all right, that's too much. Let me break it down a little bit more because we will take the time and break it down to a dog to such a minuscule level that it's hard for people to understand how, like when you're talking about free shaping and you're like, okay, click when he starts to turn towards you. And you're like, no, no, no. Click when his ear flinches, like he's gonna start turning towards you. And like people that don't know it are like, holy fuck, you click for that small. You're like, yeah, dude, he's got to, you've got to get him to understand. You got to break it down that fucking small so they can understand. And then we can build on it. But we don't do that with people. We expect them. We expect too much of them because we expect them to have language and have the understanding that we have. And so we just, we're not patient with them. We don't break it down enough to them. We say these complex things and they don't understand. Um, I think that's one thing. So I don't get, I don't get disappointed with people when they don't understand to me, it's like a challenge. Uh, Cause I've been teaching humans for fucking 30 something years. Right. So it's, I mean, fuck more than that. God, I'm old. Fuck. Holy shit. I'm old. So yeah, I've been teaching humans for a long time. So it's like, to me, it's a puzzle. It's like when you see a dog and they don't get the skill and instead of getting mad, you're like, fuck, okay, cool. How can I figure this out? And you get like your puzzle brain gets excited. Instead of getting mad at the dog, you get like puzzle happy. Mm-hmm. I get like that when people don't learn, you know what I mean? So like, I don't get mad at them. I get like, okay, let me figure this out. And I get excited because to me, it's like an interesting puzzle to try to figure out how to communicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a couple basic skills that people don't really think about when they're teaching other people. Uh, and one, successive approximation. You have to break things down into digestible things. And same rules as dogs, but we tend to rush through that stage with people out of resentment for them not understanding. And then I think you have to also understand people can be receptive to learning based on framing and perspective. So a lot of times I don't teach people this crazy new complex skill. People are like, play is so complex and play. There's so much to it. And man, if I look at a fucking leaf under a microscope, I'm going to see a cosmos of fucking cells and shit. So like anything can be complicated if you, if you look closely enough, but I don't approach that with them. If I frame it like this crazy complicated thing, they're going to get freaked out. If I can talk to some Joe Blow person and be like, dude, you know this already. You just have to get out of your own way. Like, remember when you were three and you fucking played? Like, remember that time that you were a kid and you played kickball and you completely lost yourself? That was expert level play. Like, you are a play expert. You have to learn how to get society's bullshit out of your way so you can access what you already are an expert at. And that frames the information in a way that makes them more receptive to it and feel less stupid. Right. I mean, so like how you frame a lesson to a human is going to change how they perceive it or how their, their ability to digest it. And that's something you don't have to worry about so much with dogs because that's a, we got to get past the cognitive loop that's in the person's head. They're like, I'm so stupid. I'm so bad. This is so complicated. I'm never going to learn this. Oh my God. There's so many facets. I should have already been better at this. I'm so embarrassed. He's looking at me stupid. Dogs don't have that kind of cognition. So we don't have to worry about that bullshit with them. We just have the moment of desire or not. But with a person, you have to overcome their fucking cognitive loop, you know? So like how you frame it can settle those voices down and make them receptive to learning. And if you frame it the wrong way, their voices are going to spiral and they're not going to be receptive to learning. So successive approximation is a thing. Framing is a thing that you have to understand and think about. And then you get into learning styles, man. 
I think I was talking to you about this, Kim. There was like, yeah, there's different styles of learning. There's tactile, there's visual, there's auditory. And you have to be able to teach any lesson that you want to teach in all three ways. Because if the person that you're talking to is a visual learner and you're trying to teach them tactilely, it's not going to work uh, and vice versa, whatever, you know? So like, I think what happens is frustration comes from blockage. So when you want to get this idea across to somebody and they don't receive it and you don't know how to get them to receive it, that's where you feel the sense of frustration. But if you can look at it and you go, okay, step one, am I teaching this information in a way that you can receive it. So I'm going to experiment with different methods of teaching. I'm going to use metaphor and analogy. I'm going to use diagrams. I'm going to put my hands on you and move you through space so you can feel what we're talking about, right? Um, if I can experiment with all three styles of learning and you're still not getting it, have I framed this in a way that is making you receptive? Or what is your framing of this lesson? Because you're not receiving it and I've tried all three things. Okay, am I chunking it badly? Do I need to make it smaller chunks or whatever? But then you get to be in the idea of the puzzle of how can I get them to receive this, not being mad that they didn't receive it. Because at the end of the day, man, the lesson, the responsibility, it should be on the learner, mm -hmm. but it's not most of the time. You know what I mean? Like if the learner is very excited to learn, but they speak French and I speak fucking Spanish, they're not going <laughs> to learn. You know, so it's like if I want to be an effective educator, I have to understand the art and the principles of teaching so I can be effective. Because what most of us do and call teaching is we just regurgitate. I mean, it's like this in everything, dude. It's like this in fucking playing with your dog. You watch somebody play effectively with a dog and you imitated them with every other dog. You made out with one person in fucking fifth grade and then you make out with everybody else like that for the rest of your life because they <laughs> seem to like it. You know what I mean? And it's like people aren't understanding this idea of like you need to communicate and connect with the person in front of you you know you don't just regurgitate the thing that spoke to you and just hope that it works and then when it doesn't get mad at them for not understanding you know yeah and i kind of want to tap into that really quick because i think that actually harkens back to what we talked about earlier with the methods um, of dog training. And I think that for people to really understand, for people to ultimately understand play or ultimately understand like, um, you know, chasing catch, like with Ivan or something, they have to kind of mimic for a while till they find, they have to mimic because it lets them be comfortable so that they can find the style that is going to be theirs, I guess, if that makes sense. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck at that middle ground of just mimicking but like I guess I also wanted to talk about like how the mimicking also can just make you comfortable in a thing so you can start organically playing and stuff like that. Like you have to copy a little bit to like kick it off somewhere. Well, so it's it's <laughs> it's it's interesting because on one hand I totally agree with you. I mean, obviously like you, you you when you first ride a bike you can't feel you have to look at the person and go well he's moving his feet in a fucking circle so i'm gonna move my feet in a fucking circle like you know what i mean mm -hmm. at some point there's there's some amount of imitation that must take place and that that's true and i get it but i think the problem is again people don't teach principles yeah. like you have to try as fast as you can to get the people off of imitation oh. do you know what i'm saying mm -hmm, like yeah. 
it's a, it, this is, this is going to get really, I'm just jumping all over the place, but like weightlifting, <laughs> when you teach somebody how to deadlift, right? There's an optimal set of principles. Like when you hold a heavy bar about the height of your kneecaps, there's these principles that have to come into play, right? So like I need, my arms are going to be straight. My legs are going to be straight. My knees are going to be back. The bar is going to be at my patella. Okay, cool. But the position in space that I'm going to be in, the position in space between two people is always different because tibia length, femur length, forearm length, torso length, all of those different lengths make different shapes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the triangle that is made between my hands on my knees, my butt and my head make this triangle shape. That triangle the triangle itself is a principle. That triangle has to be there. The front side of that triangle is dead vertical because it's supporting weight. But the back half of that, you know, that that triangle, it's going to be different because my torso length and my leg length are going to be different than this other person's. So, like, my shoulder angle is going to be a different degree than somebody else's shoulder angle. The problem is if you teach that position by saying, put your back at a 45 degree angle, that is imitation. But for a whole swath of people, that's dead wrong. And that's not going to be good for them. You know what I mean? I think what you got to do is as fast as you can teach somebody the principle and then they will put themselves in the position because they understand what they're doing. The problem with that is it takes longer. Again, if I'm going to teach the principles of lifting, mm-hmm. it's going to take me 30 minutes to teach the principles of making this triangle shape, right? And then I'm going to have to go around the room and help 50 individual people find their individual angle. And it's going to be different for each one because everybody's got slightly different angles. That's going to take three hours. But I could stand in front of that same room and in 30 minutes talk about making that triangle and then in five minutes, go, everybody, 45 degree angle now. Good. Thank you. And we're done. <laughs> and you're like, it's just faster dissemination to mass. And it's like, that's not, that's not good. I think that you should discourage imitation. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like you should discourage imitation because why am I doing it? And I get onto people about this right away in the beginning They teach play. They go, up, down, left, right, shake, shake, swat the butt, cover the eyes. Up, down, left, right, shake, shake, swat the butt, cover the eyes. And you're like, why are you doing that? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, look, man, you are imitating play. And I don't want you to do that. I don't want the George Costanza crib sheet makeout session. Do you know what I mean? I want you to be with your dog right now. So let me explain why you saw the guy. Because you did. You saw a really good dude swing his dog, cover his eyes, and swat his butt. You did see that. But why was he doing that? Ah, to get his drive up, to be more animated. No. No. What happened is he's trying the strategy of pull the toy out of your face, the tactic of side to side. It was unsuccessful, and so the dog left the ground and got swung to the right. Because his grip was so solid, the guy didn't succeed with his strategy. So the dude made a play and the dog defended. And the result was he swung him to the side. But the dude made a play and the dog made a defense. And then the guy covered his eyes, strategy, distraction, tactic, cover, eye. The dog made a defense and held his grip. And then he tried strategy, distraction, tactic, touch the butt. 
and the dog made a defense. And you did, in fact, see swing him around, cover his eye, touch his butt. But that's not what you need to see. What you need to see was the guy was trying strategies and the dog was thinking and thoughtful in his defense. And if I can get you to understand strategy, I can get you to play a game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Does that make sense? Um, well, you met Amanda in the seminar, obviously. Uh, but uh, she said that to me before where I'll do something and she's like, uh, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, okay. Um, but like, the, I think the other thing that, um, and like, again, that not a crazy amount of our audience is actually coaching people. So excuse me, audience, for a second while I, you know, have my little uh, light bulb moment. Um, but I think you have to be okay being direct with people about, and that's tough to do, right? Is like coming again, like with that person teaching them or making them understand like this is what we're doing and why we're doing and I'm asking you to potentially be patient with this process because it's not going to be as easy like people also get frustrated with well just tell me what to do Um, yes like we've talked about this in uh, um, previous podcasts where it's like people just want that cake recipe and want to follow it but that's not really how dog training works well it's Um, not really how anything works right right yeah so Jay, you definitely have me on board. I guess you know the reason that I see the benefit in the imitation is just because I, I, you know, I don't coach people currently. I I do a little bit of training, but it's software training, so it's not crazy, um, <laughs> complicated. But um, I guess I just have trouble having faith that people will be able to apply principles because I think in general in life people struggle to apply principles. So I guess like I totally hear you, but like well, so I don't know. I'm deal. kind of being a little pessimistic about their ability to apply principles without concrete exercises. So part of the problem this is this is where we're gonna get all super fucking meta, right? Because part of the reason that people are so bad at it is because they've lost play. Yeah. Yeah. Play is how you learn those things. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. when you're playing, uh, when you're playing, I fucking think of a game, dude. You're playing fucking soccer or something. And first you just kind of walk along following the principles. You kick the ball, but then they can tell where you're going. And they always defend. And the principle was kick the ball. Like I am kicking the ball, but it's not working. I got to think about this. And what am I going to do? And like, well, if they're always in my way, that means they think they know where I'm going. So if I act like I'm going that way, they're going to do this. And then when they do that, I can do the other thing that they will not know what I'm doing. And now I'm going to fake them out and fake right and then go left. And kids that are at a very young age will come up with that. And that's a really interestingly deep thing that they just did like they learned not just delayed gratification they learned about strategy they learned about deception they learned about setting patterns and breaking expectations and patterns like that's some really interesting deep understanding of human psychology and physics and operant conditioning and classical conditioning and like man that's a lot of fucking shit in a six-year-old kid learning to juke somebody right to score left You know what I mean? But because we have become so divorced from play in ourselves, it's like we're bad at understanding these meta lessons because we never learned and made those connections as kids anymore. Or we did as kids, but then for the last 30 years, we've shut those pathways off and we don't apply them anymore. We're like 
formulaic work. Do this thing, enter this input and the data comes out, do this math and the cake recipe and you get the cake, you know? And like, we've shut that area of ourselves off for so long that we want to continue operating in the way that we're comfortable, which is formulaic. But I think people can learn how to play. It's genetic. It's in us. We all did it at one point, you know, and it's all, it's in us. We just have to unlock it and give access to it again. So like, I think the reason people are so dependent on formula and so difficult to teach in a way that is principle-based is specifically because we've gotten so far away from play as adults. So I think you got to learn to teach them how to play so they can learn how to learn better through play. I think that absolutely makes sense. And I think that, I think that you're very right in that it, you have so much more ability to to do all these things if you're playing outside your life. And the person that comes to me to mind right now is this helper that we work with sometimes. His name's Brady. And like the first couple of times I worked my dog with him, I was like, how is he so intuitive with these animals? Like it's insane. And then I saw him, he brought his kids one time. He had his kids when he was working the day and I saw him interacting with his kids and like jumping around and being a fool. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, look at him playing with those kids. Like, it's, you know. It's legit the same. How do you give, how, but like, so, you know, if you're just your run-of-the-mill person, you're sitting here podcasting, you're like, shit, I haven't played in years. You know, how how do you open that back up? I mean, it kind of sounds like your solution is really through um, athletics and, and fight, fighting sports or, or whatever. For you. <laughs> I mean, I have two main avenues. I have go play with your dog or go do jiu-jitsu. Right. <laughs> like that is, that is truthfully where I push everybody. And I think everybody should do fucking both to be honest, but that's just me. Um, but I mean, any play, you know what I mean? Any, any play that is interactive with another being will teach you those lessons. You get less of those lessons doing fucking online gaming or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, uh, uh, you get more lessons when you're playing inter. I mean, poker would be better than online gaming because you're actually interacting with people, you know, mm-hmm. and you, through that, you learn lessons about people you wouldn't learn through a screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you have to find a game. It's the same thing as dogs. Like when you get a dog and the dog doesn't know how to play, what do you do? You investigate different games, try to find something that spin their dials and then teach them the lessons that they need to learn through that game and then later we can use that game for leverage for behaviors or whatnot if we want to or need to still. It's the same thing with people. Somebody comes to me and they're 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 divorced from their sense of understanding of play. First, we gotta find things that speak to them. Any game at all. Play with their dog. I mean, if they if they're coming to me without dog training, it's like with without a dog, it's like, okay, what do you enjoy doing? You know, most people are coming to me already because I have a gym so they're already interested in martial arts so i don't have to try to figure out what game they play they came to me to learn that game but you know what i mean if i had somebody i was talking to i would just get into them what do you like to do and if they're literally like i don't know any i don't remember a game i played when i was a kid i have no fucking play i don't want to do it then it's like well kid we're gonna go investigate like let's go to the adult dodgeball league and then you don't like that and let's go find a badminton court and then you don't like that let's go find frisbee like we're gonna fucking investigate this shit until we find something that speaks to you you know Mm -hmm. but then it's like i i mean obviously on this podcast i think anybody talking to you about that 
is talking to you about that lack of their feeling of play with their dog. Right. It's like, dude, let's do this together. Like you and your dog can make this journey together, you know, cause your dog is under, your dog understands play, you know, and so do you. I mean, unless somebody is traumatized or genetically broken, they understand play mm-hmm. dogs and people it's in there. You just got to sometimes dust it off and get access to it. Sometimes, circumstances and habit and trauma have gotten in the way of it shut it down a little bit our 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 other pathways are a little bit more activated and our play pathway is a little bit stunted but it's in there and we just got to open it up you know so i think when you talk to people about play get away from the skill part of it everybody was it kim was it you that was talking about presentations and i was like who fucking cares about presentations in the beginning that wasn't you she's gone kim she took a nap. That's okay. That's right. She might have lost her audio. I love that. She, she, she ran away. It's all right. If you're <laughs> bored, you could just say you're bored, kid. You don't have to like just leave. Um, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> no, but it's like uh, I think that I've said this to people before when they're talking about, you know, how do you do this thing, this particular presentation or this particular catch or whatever. And I'm like, man, you're way too hung up in the mechanics of it you got to really get into the understanding of it because an eight-year-old kid, I don't know if you ever watched Ivan work, you ever watched Ivan play with a dog? Yeah. It's the most beautiful thing in the goddamn world. Like he reverts to like this completely authentic 12 year old kid that is just playing with their best buddy dog and having the best day ever. It's like, it is so fucking pure and authentic. It's ridiculous. Like it's, 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 it's mind blowing. Like it really is like, it makes your hair stand up. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think it's in there, but I think people worry too much about mechanics and other shit. They're too in their head. They're not playing. So I think you have to find something very small. Like I do this with a lot of people. Uh, If you've been to a workshop, you've probably seen it. I do this with a lot of people where I'll make them, they're trying to play with their dog and it's bad. And I'll just like, tell your dog to go lay down. And then I take the toy and I go try to take the toy away from me. And I remember, I remember one girl in Utah because it took her a while to really try. And you were like yelling, you were like, Hey, no, take it away from me. (laughs) Try man. And then I'll say like, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you get it or something stupid, you know? Yeah. But then when they do, like when they actually make, because they're in their head, they're thinking, what is this supposed to be? What's the point you're trying to make? I'm in front of people and they're, 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 they're stuck. But then when they finally open up and play, like they lose themselves for a couple of seconds mm-hmm. and you can feel it and everybody can see it. And it's like that right there, that moment, that's what I want you to have with your dog. And then they can go like, okay. And then I'll usually say every time you get the toy away from your dog without using a uh, command or pain, I'm going to give you $5. And every time the dog gets it from you, uh, you know, you get $5 off that you owe me $5 and we're going to play for five minutes and we're going to see who owes who money. And it's so stupid to do it like that. Or if I give them a toy with no handle, so the dog can legitimately take it and it's hard for them to take it. And then I go like, all right, for five minutes, we're going to keep score. Every time the dog gets it from you, you owe me money. Every time the dog gets, every time you get it from the dog, I owe you money and we're going to play. And it's stupid how them doing a short play session with me with no dog where I can get them to find that moment and then giving them a reason to be invested in the goal of the game changes it. And then all of a sudden they have this fucking great game with their dog and you're like, boom, there it is. You found it. I didn't teach that person how to play. 
I unlearned them how to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I opened their play. I didn't teach them how to play. I let them open their play up, you know? Yeah. I mean, that absolutely makes sense. And I guess that's been kind of mind blowing for me in this last topic that we've had is just, you know, in, in general, I've had experiences in my life. There's people I'm comfortable with and not comfortable with, but the, there's this dude that I feel the safest with and the guy that I'm always playing Euchre with and poker. And like, we play card games. That's like our main way of interacting. And it's like, you fully know somebody and can trust somebody if you are in in that gameplay like you have that relationship like it just gives you so much more context for who they are like play is how beings learn the deepest life lessons you know Mm -hmm. like play is how you learn delayed gratification play is how you understand you understand operant conditioning and classical conditioning classical conditioning was that example i gave of i go right three, four or five times until you start to anticipate going right. And then when I start to go right, you go that way. And then I fade off left. I classically conditioned you into a response. That's an innate understanding. Anybody that plays games knows. Maybe you didn't know the word classical conditioning. Maybe you never thought about it like that, but that is literally classical conditioning. And, and somebody can get an innate knowledge and understanding of how that works. They might not be able to define it well, but anybody that plays understands that, you know what I mean? And it's like, fuck, there's like all these really deep concepts, understanding to read the emotion of the other person, read the intention of the other person, read how you're affecting the other person, right? Because for play to continue, play partner matching is a very important thing, right? If I'm playing a game and I, my skill is so far and away better than the person and I decimate them, they're going to lose interest in playing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm so much worse that they can look out the window and they can still beat me, they're also going to lose interest in playing. We have to be able to modulate our play. If we want the game to continue, we both have to modulate our play to be able to match each other's skill level in order for the game to feel competitive enough to bother keeping our interest. But that in itself is a life lesson and a social lesson. So like by itself, that is the understanding of how are the actions I'm having affecting them? What are their motivations? Are they starting to feel good? Are they starting to feel bad? What can I do to make them feel better? How can I keep them motivated? Like, man, if a kid understands play partner matching, they're going to be so much more socially healthy and able to navigate the social realm than a being that doesn't have that kind of play skill, you know? And it's like for dogs, it's the same thing. But all, I mean, all beings, all fucking animals, play is like an intrinsically impate play is as important as eating. You know, it is like a biological necessity. Without play, beings don't learn the lessons they're supposed to learn. They're fundamentally unhealthy. Like play is a necessity. It's not an option. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I guess, you know, dogs are almost like an uncomplicated way to to test all of that stuff before you're doing with human relationships. Also, I feel like like that's probably the benefit of, of children interacting with dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the benefit of children and dogs interacting with each other because dogs learn about people through play and people learn about dogs through play. You right. know, like how you can read your guys facial expressions 
and know what he, you can tell when he gets a shitty hand. You can tell when he's thinking a certain thing. That's some really high level understanding of that person. And therefore other people who behave similarly, you know what I mean? If you find somebody else that has a similar style to him, you're like, Oh, you can fall right into your interaction with that person. So it's like, that's a really important lesson of, of social learning for kids to understand dogs better and for dogs to understand humans better, you know, humans should understand each other. I mean, that's the thing. It's like dogs should play with dogs enough to understand their social construct. Dogs should play with people enough to understand. We should play with dogs enough to understand them and we should play with people enough to understand people. It's like play is the life lesson teacher, you know? And that's kind of goes back to where we started. You know, I don't know how long you guys are going to go or if we even, we lost her altogether, didn't we? So yeah, when we, I was waiting for a natural stopping point, but we are going to end this call, rejoin a second call for the wrap up and, and the same. Right, cool, cool. Okay. I'll do that really quick. Right on. Hello. Hey, how's the uh, audio quality? Much better. Okay. Well, I guess Eric, Jay, you scared Kimberly off. I was going to say, she just left halfway through. She was like, fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> this guy's repeating himself, I'm out. No. Um, but yeah, Lady so- was yelling at me via messenger, and then uh, I tried to change some things to fix my audio quality, and it just booted me off. So, well, anyway. Well, we were just talking about, Jay, Jay and I were just talking about the benefits of play, you know, overall, and, and the way that it could be an uncomplicated and non-consequential interaction almost with dogs. Like, that's kind of the benefit in your human relationships is that, you know, yeah. dogs are obviously much more forgiving of us. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jay, did you want to finish that thought at all? We are going to wrap it up here in the next few minutes just to keep sure. it under that two hour mark. Yeah, I have uh, I have no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, I, yeah, I'm lost. We, Guess that we, thought is finished. Well, so the joke I, got... I was going to make that I didn't get to make, which was that, you know, maybe in Congress, if we did some games of hide and seek and laser tag and stuff like that, maybe they could they could get something done if they had some lower stakes interactions. No, they should ah. fight. <laughs> no question and well I'm they're all being, too I'm old being... jay they're no they're not. Old, don't say that shit fuck you come on they're now. like 80 it's <laughs> also they... one of the problems well anyway. yeah exactly this is also one of the problems uh maybe if fighting was a requirement we'd get younger dudes in there so exactly yeah um no but th- that's actually a thing and i'm not going to get too far into this because we're gonna have to go but yeah like <laughs> The fact that we have stopped doing play fights with one another, like play as a general subject is on its own, on its own merit. Any kind of play is, is beneficial and healthy. And one of the cool things about play is it can be so varied and so spontaneous and, 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 and has no boundaries. Like two kids can make up a fucking game and it's amazing. Like how creative and fucking crazy they can get, you know? And that's, one of the cool elements the creativity of play is one of the cool elements that said there are some very fundamental natural games that are very primal and pre-programmed you know and play fighting is one of those primal natural things even the people that are promoting play tend not to promote play fighting and and that to me is one of the biggest breakdowns in our society is that we no longer play fight like with the regularity that we should. It's discouraged in most people and girls. It's discouraged 
fairly fucking fast. Like maybe rough and tumble plays allowed for a couple years. And then after that, they're like pretty pink dresses and bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is psychologically damaging. It's part of the fucking misogynist structure. You want to keep them weak so they don't challenge you, of course, but like that's bullshit. But it's like Mm -hmm. even guys now too, like it used to be only girls got told not to play fight, but now fucking most most everybody's told not to play fight play fighting is just a fucking rare thing for weirdos now and it's crazy <laughs> because it's so fucking important it's such an important uh uh mode modality for 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 healthy brains you know they would solve so many fucking problems man like play fighting fills a little hole in your head about all these life lessons and things that you need to understand and learn and and know about yourself and understand about how you can relate to other people and what adversity feels like and what potentiality there is for violence. Like people are not as fragile Two problems. People have, they think they're more fragile than they are. There's a lot of women that think they're made of fucking glass and they don't stand up for themselves because they think they imagine themselves to be super fragile. And that problem would be solved by learning how to play fight. Like if they were, scrapping every fucking couple of days a week going to jiu-jitsu and whatever they wouldn't have that feeling about themselves they would know they're far more capable and strong than they've perceived themselves to be and the other problem we have is people that don't understand how fragile they truly are we get these (laughs) fucking dudes that really do believe they can fight and they totally can't and they're just like angry little boys in big puffy men suits you know what i mean and they don't understand that they're not that special and they're not that tough you know, and mm. fighting would solve that. Like play fighting levels the field. It makes you realize how fragile you are not and how fragile you are. Like you understand the power that you have and the power that you don't have. And it makes you have a more understanding view of what you are in relation to other people. And it lets you, you know what I mean? Like it makes you feel safer because you feel more competent. It makes you feel less able to be coerced. So many people are scared of violence because they have no history with it like this is a true statement right like this is fucked up we're getting all into philosophy now this is a true statement i could make people jump off a building to their death to avoid taking a beating and that is senseless that makes no mathematical sense like that's craziness but like i could walk up and go i'm gonna compete i'm gonna beat your fucking ass if you don't jump and i'll make somebody jump off a building and that's crazy because the economics would suggest Take a little beating. Like you get beat up a little bit, dude. If you jump off this building, you're going to die. Why would you do that? But it speaks to the idea that the two scariest things to any being are not knowing what comes next and not having a choice. And while people have not fallen off a five-story building before, they have fallen down lots Mm -hmm. and they understand and they kind of go like, all right, I think I understand conceptually falling I do not understand a beating at all. That just mm. like a train wreck and I have no frame of reference and that sucks. And so I don't understand it and it scares me. And I don't have a choice because I'm going to receive this beating. I don't have a choice, but I'm going to jump off this building. That is my choice. Mm. So it reduces the fear because you chose it and you understand it. And so it's not as fucked up as something that you receive and didn't understand. And that is crazy because you could take both those things away by just play fighting through your childhood and young adulthood because you're like, dude, just whoop my ass. Like, I mean, I understand what a beating is going to feel like. And while I don't appreciate it, 
I understand it. I'm going to choose it because I ain't jumping off this goddamn building. You know what I mean? But like you could be so much more resistant to coercion and intimidation if you just understood what it really is, you know? And it's, it's just nuts, man. It's like, it's a whole problem, but then it gets into this idea that that permeates through the world. You feel fucked up at a, at a, at a grocery store in a line when some dude's kind of wonky in front of you, you get way more freaked out than you should get Mm -hmm. Way more freaked out, way more like the gut feeling than you should. Little fucking boys are bad about this, man. They start, they start taking that insecurity that having that hole in your head gives you and they fill it with fucking muscle cars and bullying and talking down to women and like getting a high powered job and like being a dick to the waitress. And that is all because you have this fucking hole in your head and you're trying to fill it with shit that doesn't actually fit in it. You're just trying to make that hole go away, but you can make that hole go away if you would just play fight a little bit, you know? So like, yes, everybody should play fight. And how this has anything to do with fucking dogs is that's what Tug is. <laughs> it's a play fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. So yeah, I give the same exact advice to people that I do dogs. So everybody should play fight. Now, if you want to play fight with your dog, feel free. It kills two birds with one stone. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, if you want to get a little extra for them, Put them in some sport work. Put them where they get to fight Johnny in the suit every once in a while. Or they get to fight the spring pole while you watch. And then, you know, go take jujitsu for you. So you guys play fight together. You play fight with other beings. They play fight with other beings. And we play fight together. Because everybody in the world should be play fighting more. And that is what, that is the moral of my story. Go fight more. All right. I'm going to be the vibe killer because I don't want to take too much more of your time jay i do want to thank you for talking with us tonight this was really just the best i enjoyed this so much of course you're welcome back anytime yeah anytime you guys watch let me know uh do you want to plug some things where people can find you your show your sport everything oh man uh yeah you can just google me you'll find me (laughs) i I have uh GRC dog talk we do that sometimes we're not super regular anymore but like we put up some stuff every once in a while uh if you next uh, wait no is it next no it's nl dogs i think nldogs.com i think uh yeah mostly just google <laughs> me you'll find you'll find me. <laughs> i love uh, that also like because most of our uh audiences sport people like when you google jay you're going to see that it's like so, like, I went down to the seminar in St. Louis thinking I was going to be learning stuff for my pet training business um, and then ended up kind of taking away a ton of shit for sport anyway because dog training is fucking dog training. Um, but I think I kind of, uh, like, put Jay in that, like, pet trainer box. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> no, <I'm>, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, horrible, elitist uh, shits and people. Sorry. Um but I think, like, don't overlook the material just because it's not German Shepherds, Belgian Malinois, and your other, like, standard IGP breeds. Or, you know, obviously for other sports, same thing. Like, again, it's the principles that are applied. Um, and if you can extract those principles from the content, like, yeah, definitely some... Um, you're going to make some connections that are surprising to you, so... I mean, a third of, a third of what I do... A thir- not a third. I mean, I'm speaking numbers now. Like a yeah. third of what I do is showing how 
principles that most people would leave in the realm of sport dog world. Like there's people in yeah. there's I think I was talking to Amanda about this. There's people in the sport dog world that come watch me and go, Oh my God, you're just training pet dogs like sport dogs. And I go, Yeah. <laughs> we were literally sitting there the entire time and yeah. we're like, hang on, this is secondary. This is whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> what? Yeah. People do this weird thing where they treat pet dogs like pet less dogs. than and yeah. they train them differently. And I don't like at my gym, you don't have to be a professional fighter, but I'm going to fucking train you like one. You don't have to get in a ring, but motherfucker, you're going to train like you're about to. Yeah. And that's the way it is. Like I train all dogs that way. Like that way is the way to train. It's not, that's the way you right. unfortunately train working dogs and then you shit out other dogs. It's like, no man, that's <laughs> how you train. So a third of what people get from me is the idea of applying air yeah. quote sport dog principles to, yeah. you know, pet dog world. That's one thing. Another third is stuff that they're not going to get from other places because I have influences that other people have, like in the sport dog world, don't have conditioned relaxation, rub down, stuff from the pit bull world, understanding of game dogs and pit bull sports. Like that shit's unique mm-hmm. uh, to most people in the sport dog world because they have yeah. a background in the pit world. Uh, and then the rest of it's just interesting philosophy and concepts and principles like, you know, bullshit that I oh. talk about. Sorry to cut you off for a second, but Lainey, uh, if we have Jay back on, reminds me that we need to talk about the rage system and how it relates to fight drive and trigger literally everybody in the sport world about that. Oh, dude. That we can have a conversation, but me and, <laughs> me and Pat went round and round about that. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe they put that on their Patreon. Okay. Like years ago when I first went to Australia, we we had a discussion about that. Interesting. Uh, Perfect. Because, well, yeah, let's man, look it up. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. Nobody. Yeah. I get, I get irritated. <laughs> I get okay. irritated, but it's because it's that same thing I said earlier. It's like, it irritates me because it's people that don't understand it. Yeah. Cause yeah. like the motherfuckers, like they're imagining themselves. Like you're either in prey or going to get started where you're either in prey <laughs> as in they're the rabbit and you're the sulky, you're the sultry dominating wolf and you, they have no chance and you feel your power and or you're in defense where you're like oh my god i've got to do this or i'm gonna die and like there's a there's a fucking being that loves to scrap like there is a fight drive and they're like no there's not and i'm like cunt it's just because you don't have it and stop (laughs) stop insisting your dog's the same kind of bitch you are because i can show you dogs that have them and i can show you people that have them so Okay, I can I can hear that Mandy wants you back. We're gonna let you go. All right. <laughs> uh, have a good rest of your night too. It was great All talking right. to you. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye bye.